You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Joygasm! That's the line from the movie. <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah, it's Jim Carrey does it when he's doing that thing where he thinks he's Willy Wonka, but actually got cast as the Riddler and isn't quite sure that that's the case. Hi, I'm Ben Chapman. Welcome to Not Another Origin Story. And just for the listener at home who can't see this, Ben is wearing his podcasting outfit that he always wears, except for it now has nipples. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a lot of question marks and nipples. Uh, I get confused oh. that, that guy from daytime TV who wanted to sell you, like, stuff. Ha- no, it, it was how to make money off the government. That's, that's right. who you're thinking of. Also, um... I just forgot what I was going to say, so that's a great start to a podcast. Dude, dude, dude. All right. <laughs> Chilling that audio format. Hi, we're trained to bring you comedy and commentary. This is where we're not professionals yet. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I'm not here alone, though, Pogues, and it feels weird to not address the wife in the room. Oh, I gave it away. Oh, uh, so who's our guest? Me. <laughs> My, I'm, I'm nervous by the fact that, that it wasn't a big enough... Giveaway. Um, my wife is here, Sarah Brunkhorst, to join us to talk to us about Goddamn. God, that's <laughs> podcast band. Edit. Edit. I'm leaving now. <laughs> and my wife's gone. No, folks, she didn't mean the podcast. She is. She's packing a suitcase right now and taking her clogs all the way upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, wow. I didn't know she was like Dutch or whoever it is. Who she's picking her combat boots <laughs> and her tap shoes straight upstairs. Um. <laughs> Oh, now she's on a horse. <laughs> so we're here to cover 1995's um, tr- tremendous landmark Batman film, Batman Forever, directed by Joel Schumacher and starring our first mantle swap of the Batman uh, of the Batman uh, cape, uh, heading over to our man Val Kilmer. I feel like during the casting, they were like, we want to replace Michael Keaton, so who do we got? And they were like, I don't know, what are you looking for? And they're like, can you get somebody who's going to put less emotion into everything he says than Michael Keaton? And they were like, yeah, we got you. This guy will I think mail it's too it harsh in. on Michael Keaton. I think he did a fine job. After seeing this, I'm like, hell of an actor. That Michael Keaton, what a guy. <laughs> I thought that before. I'm like a Michael Keaton hipster. Um, but yeah, actually, <laughs> um, Michael Keaton uh, actually said... that you can be? I'm sorry. Let's address that for a second. Uh, <laughs> trust me, if somebody can make up something, it's hipsters. Look, look, I'm into. I was, I was way, I was, I was a way, I was one of the first Keat heads, you know. I was oh, really yeah, early. Mr. Mom. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mom was like, it's, it's a classic. I have it on vinyl. Um, but <laughs> what I was, what I was trying to get at is that Val Kilmer picked up the role uh, after after our man um, uh, Michael Keaton dropped it, and later, I mean, kind of recently, like in the last five years, Michael Keaton has specified during an interview. Why he did he dropped the role? Uh, he just uh, said the two words, "It sucked." <laughs> so it sounds like he got a handle of this very same script and read it the same way that I read it. Oh, I read I read many articles where he said that he passed on it because the script sucked. It always sucked, <laughs> and it never didn't suck, um, <laughs> even after many revisions. Keep in so, mind, this is a which man who I was agree in with. Batman Returns. And even he was like, I think this might be too far. Um, as I've said before we started recording, Batman Returns, definitely my favorite Batman movie. Of, of, the, of the early pre-Nolan Batman movies, Mm-mm. definitely my favorite. So I, my wife is vehemently shaking her head. Sarah, what is your favorite Batman movie? Batman and Robin, bitch. Okay, we haven't gotten there yet, but I understand. Now, uh, Pogues, 
Uh, we haven't watched Batman and, and Robin yet, of course, but what would be your personal favorite of the four original blockbuster Batman films? I'm going to say it this way. The one, if you were like, I have all four Batmans of the original run, which one do you want to watch? I'm siding with your wife, and I would want to watch Batman and Robin. The first Batman is, is fine. I just don't really care to watch it again. I think Batman Returns is garbage. This movie is that garbage times 100, and Batman and Robin is so joyfully terrible that it's just a pleasure to watch. See, I'm a, I was a big fan of the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman deal. And I, yeah, I like that part of the movie. Unfortunately, Danny DeVito's Penguin was in the rest of it. Danny DeVito eat okay, raw fish? Very close yes. is Batman Returns. I love Danny DeVito in it. I love, I love the work that he did. But you can't get over uh, Batgirl. Yeah, Batgirl. The one and only instance of Batgirl in any of the Batman movies. That's correct, yeah. Um, even though she was like some weird not the real character, not Barbara Gordon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and you have Mr. Freeze, you have Poison Ivy, you yeah. have the return of uh, Dick Grayson. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Oh, guy. too much. God, it's all yeah. in that one movie? Oh, yeah. It's, it's oh, a beautiful boy. mess. We're going to have to cover that. But... You, have, you have the best scene in the beginning of that movie, which we'll talk about when we finally do it. Ben's right. Let's get back into Batman forever, because otherwise me and Sarah will just talk about Batman and Robin for an hour. That instead. But this is good context, though, because normally in podcasts around this time we discuss what the comic book original meant to us. Uh, obviously, we've already covered that at nauseum. Yes, due to uh, the backlash from our first episode. <laughs> well, and in general from covering so many Batman movies. So it's not really worth it here. But one thing I did want to talk about is I really remember these Batman movies because they came out when I was pretty young. Uh, I would have been 10 when Batman Forever came out. Uh, I guess I would have been like, I don't know, 7 when the uh, – 95 was Batman Forever. Uh, I would have been like 7 or something when the other one came out. So um, – I remember these very vividly. Obviously, as a kid of that age, I thought they were all great, <laughs> you know, because they were bright. They had huge set pieces. There was explosions. There was they were movies. Shit. You were just happy to get to go to see a film in a sure, theater. Totally. It's Batman. I'm thrilled to see that character on stage uh, or on screen posing with like smoke billowing behind him, getting in a bat car. Super into it. Do you have any fond memories, either of you, of these these movies when they came out? Oh, yeah, I already told you the one time um, that my brother convinced me that I was adopted. And, <laughs> and wow. that That's was, not the question I asked. <laughs> and I, I imagined that I was like a little, like, baby penguin in the uh, Batman Returns, like, floating down the trash river. That's right, that's right. Um, so, as yeah, as all know. young girls did, you, yeah. you, you idolized Dane DeVito. I was going to say, let me just get this straight. In the story here, you identified with a penguin instead of Michelle Pfeiffer, who also appears to be adopted? Well, I didn't like that really backstory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's vividly a scene where Dane DeVito, as a weird, deformed baby, is thrown like in a, a river. weird Moses just floating down this <laughs> yeah. like, river. Pogues, do you have any fun memories of these movies, or were they all uh, just yeah, trash? I mean, I'm, I'm a wee bit older. Than Ben and Sarah. I'm sorry, real quick. Can I pitch like a like a like a 12 to 13 year old Pogues that looks just like you but smaller and just sitting in a movie theater like real cranky about this movie, <laughs> this uh, bad plot points. If you want to picture it, <laughs> picture me. That would have been back before I got my the gap in my teeth fixed. So I had a gap <laughs> that was about the size of a pencil I'm in between so my front two teeth. So this would have been the early 90s. So I still would have been rocking those like glasses you wore in the 90s that were basically windshields. That somebody oh. attached to your face, and I had a Ted Kennedy comb over. 
So did you? Did you? Yeah, it was not great, Sarah. I heard the audible gasp. <laughs> so, so as as this deformed freak that you just described, did you did you uh, did you see yourself personified in Dave DeVito as well? Uh, no, I was like, I was like, God, I wish I was did that you, good looking. Did you have flippers before you got the flippers fixed? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that was just a recent occurrence. You know, that. <laughs> you um, came and that, visited me in the hospital after my anti-flipper surgery. Did you have any, uh, any, 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 you know, '90s Batman movie? Uh, I, I remember seeing the original Batman when I was a very little kid. And actually, I was so young I sat on my mom's lap to watch it because I couldn't see over the seats. I remember seeing that and really loving it because I loved Batman. Um, I Then I remember actually seeing this movie in the theater and leaving the theater and being like, this may be like the first time, like when you're, like you said, when you're young, although at this point, God, I would have been like 14 probably. So I I was well aware movies could be awful, but I this is like one of the first movies I remember like leaving and being angry that I had like seen it. Like I was like, this movie is so bad. I'm mad that I paid to see it and they ruined Batman and I love Batman. Scratch that earlier image. I'm picturing now like a young, fresh faced lad coming into this movie, excited to see a film and coming out. Be bitter. Yeah, coming out me, losing most <laughs> of my hair, <laughs> a shitty beard, you know, still fat. I was always a chubby guy. It's this never been a great time. Cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was this was my leaving the Mask of Zorro and uh, my billionaire parents being gunned down. <laughs> instead, instead of becoming a superhero, I became a bitter asshole with a podcast. But yeah, I, I only ever seen this movie twice in my life. The time I saw it in the theater, and I was so mad I refused to ever watch it again until we just watched it now. And while watching it, I was like, that's right, me, young me. You're vindicated. This movie is shit. Did you have flashbacks like when, uh, like when Chase Chase Meridian dropped a rose and <laughs> and Bruce Wayne suddenly had vivid, intense flashbacks? I do not remember the bizarre flashbacks that go nowhere. Because I, I, I was yeah. literally thinking this morning. I was trying to remember the movie because due to the scheduling conflict, I had already watched it before we found out we couldn't record last week. So I was trying to refresh my memory. And I was thinking, did they ever explain what those flashbacks were? Like, what was the meaning of them? And I don't think they did, did they? No, <laughs> we'll just get into it. But let me set the stage for you, Pogues, because we've just watched it fresh. Uh, so let me just take you back to a week ago when you've plugged this movie into your into your television screen and you just get fucking crotch shot. Oh, right there. <laughs> me and Ben have almost identical the same first note, which is his was like, wow, starts with a crotch shot. Mine was like, dick shot. Interesting yeah. start. So that's uh, both. I mean, it is just the film starts and it's just a crotch, just a cod piece right in your face. And imagine seeing that in a movie theater at, you know, like whatever the screen is like, you know, 15 feet tall by 40 feet wide or whatever. I mean, I could dedicate an entire separate podcast just to the cod pieces in this movie. Uh, of course, oh, you can yeah. you can first listen to the first episode of Cod Pod later. But for now, we'll we'll stick with moving forward. We also get a shout out of Cod the Pod is our podcast about Atlantic Cod, the fish. <laughs> Come on, Ben, get them straight. Our our podcast about cod pieces Teen is pod. ornament pod. dick pieces. <laughs> pod piece? I don't know. Peen pod. All right. Pod piece. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on, We'll workshop that one. Um, but I Sarah, enjoy we get, these terrible pod names way more than I should. <laughs> as you recall, we get we get this 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 upfront shot of Val Kilmer getting dressed, which both focuses on the bat nipples for a moment. Oh yeah, lovingly. The the, the, the I think far more noticeable black makeup around the eyes. Like yes. it's always been there, but I could not stop looking at it in every scene that That's he was like close up. Because this time he was like, more like paint. Yeah. Instead. 
Yeah. Actual, like, Instead of, like, matte mascara or something, it's like the shit football players put under their eyes so it reflects the sun. So it's, it's just really shiny. I couldn't stop looking at it. I kept imagining what would happen if you just took the mask off and had, like, raccoon eyes. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for it. Just a moment of raccoon eyes. But this is where we get Val Kilmer. Now, if you were to rank Batman, it's not to get off topic, but would we stick with... I mean, I think most people would put probably Keaton... Well, I don't know. How would you, how would you, Sarah, how would you rate the Batmans? We got Keaton, we got Clooney, and we got Kilmer. I mean, I. And Christian Bale, if you want to, and, and Ben Affleck now. Clooney and, Affleck. and Bale are kind of equal. I kind Clooney of... and Bale? <laughs> <laughs> the indignation in your voice when you ask her to clarify. <laughs> Clooney? How fast are divorces? Are they fast? Um. <laughs> He was amazing. <laughs> okay. right. So, so you were you were a fan of the Clune? I was a fan of that entire entire thing. Guys, what do you think? The bottom. The fuck out of here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, cat. <laughs> okay, so you put Clooney and Bale together. Would you put them? Would you put anyone above them? Um, and Pogues, better prepare your list while we're doing this. Okay. Well, I'll put Val Kilmer down on the bottom. So you're you're for not sure. a fan. Uh, uh, of his performance okay no he didn't really do anything he kind of just stood around and like <laughs> had a couple tears here and there okay. and so we'll just we'll just put it uh Clooney Bale tie somehow uh and then we'll go Keaton Kilmer all right Pokes fire away uh I would say Bale Keaton Clooney oh wait Bale Keaton Affleck Clooney uh whatever this fucker's name is all right, fair enough. I'd probably go with Pogue's list. I just wanted to get that out of the way. That's Kilmer, Kilmer. I forgot the guy's fucking name. <laughs> important stuff. I forgot about Ben Affleck. I'll put him one above Val. Oh, you're above Val? Fair enough. I've never seen any of his movies. Um, I can't imagine he makes a great Batman. So everyone's better than fucking Val Kilmer. I, I would put Adam West above Val Kilmer. So we get everyone's, according to these lists, we get everyone's worst Batman <laughs> up front getting dressed. And then we get the excellent line. Before you get to that excellent line, can I point out that Joel Schumacher said that he thinks that Val Kilmer was the best Batman ever. Kilmer is Schumacher's favorite? Uh, all is it the really, Batmans, that's what he says. Is it really that surprising? Did he, he, he didn't direct the yeah. other one, did he? He directed the, first, the last two. Okay, so his favorite is just not George Clooney. <laughs> I think he's saying of all time, not just oh. his films. I'm sorry. Off track. Anyhow, continue. So the movie launches us with uh, this getting together Kilmer shot, which is for, again, take yourself back to the audiences. Uh, these movies were fucking huge in the 90s. We all know that. We were all there for it. But uh, so a switch would mean a lot. I mean, we uh, we would be uh, – there's not a lot of movies where that happens. You know what I mean? I can't think of a ton of franchises where suddenly the main character is played by someone. Yeah, I mean, short. the only ones you could probably name top of your head is James Bond. Right. Those are usually like four and five movies at a time over the span of like a you know a decade and a half or whatever Absolutely. before they so suddenly a cast a new character. Deal. So there's probably people who've already solidified a really strong feelings about about uh, Michael Keaton and they're ready to fucking go. Mm -hmm. And then we got Val Kilmer. I mean, I, I, I don't have any real negative thoughts about Kilmer in this movie necessarily. But uh, uh, he delivers really the trashiest opening line. Of um, of, <laughs> of he's gonna get drive through. That's like our. Oh yeah. That's uh, like a, 
bits. It's, it's so bad. Sandwich. Yeah, which it's just—it's—it's it's really establishing the arc. Of and the, then, and then I did not realize this, but sets up the joke. He says, "Chicks dig the car," which is like the opening line of Batman and Robin. Oh, it is. Yeah. He, uh, Robin says it to Batman, so I was like, they thought that joke was good enough to call back. Like somebody writing it was like. People love that chicks dig the car line. It was a throwaway in the beginning of this film. Let's call back to it as if anybody's going to remember it. We also get a shot of the Batmobile for the first time in this one, which is definitely fucking different. Uh, the, students, yes. the Batmobile is different. And the Batmobile has been done in this way that I can never forget, which is that the toys of this era really reflected this, which is everything was fucking neon. Like, this is just super into neon. This movie has a bunch of blacklight scenes. Lots of neon lights, neon science equipment. Everything's fucking neon. And I remember, I just, I can never forget all the toys that came around this era. It was like all these Batman figurines where he had like this like neon blue suit or this aquamarine like pants. Like it's yeah. it it fucking bizarre. Like surfs up Batman or something. Just like the most random shit you've ever seen in your life. Where you're like, wow, I didn't need a different version of Batman. Yeah, sonar sensor Batman, ice blade Batman, laser disc Batman. Yeah, it was absolutely laser disc Batman. Yeah, yeah. These are not <laughs> jokes. There, there was probably ten to fifteen Batman figures for just this movie. Yeah, those were all real. I just listened. <laughs> They're probably not real, real, but there is. I remember there was like, uh, like sonar Batman, like night Batman, silver Batman from the end of this movie, where for some reason he's silver. They never really explain why. Yeah, I want, to know, I want to know why sonar requires being. There's separate. a manta ray Batman. There's even there's even a fucking neon armor Batman. Batman. It's just called neon armor. There's yeah, I, I, I remember it. I remember having that one and being like, <laughs> I don't get it. I still don't get it. Anyway, so we we get into this movie uh, with this Val Kilmer setup, but we're more established with my man, my hero, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> this like this whole opening was not good like it starts with a bad joke about getting drive-through where i was like "Uh uh-oh that's not a good sign that this was their lead-in joke batman then shows up and is talking to nicole kidman who is i believe a robot pretending to be a human being with her line delivery in this beginning of like the most cliched dialogue and tommy lee jones i don't know what the fuck is going on with tommy lee jones i gotta admit i love tommy in this movie (laughs) I don't think he's... I gotta admit, Sarah is gonna divorce you now. (laughs) No, I think a lot of it is relative to how how grating Jim Carrey is in this, and we'll get to that. But Tommy Lee is doing a lot that I like. He's he's giving me a a, a sort of shades of Nicholson doing Joker. He is is straight up uh, like a Batman 66 version. He is. Harvey Dent, and it is not good. I think it feels genuine, and I find it amusing. I mean, he's he's constantly overwhelmed with this like great cackle, and the makeup's pretty good. I don't necessarily like the like the tiger stripe half of his suit necessarily, but I like I like the like the purple like face makeup. I like a lot that's happening here, and I also actually kind of enjoy this intro scene, this vault break scene, as nonsense as it is. It's pretty. It's, it is terrible. First of all, I worked at a bank. Vaults are not just big metal tubes in the middle of a room. <laughs> They're big squares in the middle of a room surrounded by concrete. Any cable couldn't hold it? See, here's the thing. I mentioned that when we were watching this. The cable 
holding it is something that I I'm ready to believe because of Spectacular. the Batman the Batman universe. The same reason I believe that a man can swing on fake webs. Uh, I'm cool with it. The problem is is that the the cables attached to just some loose drywall. Yeah, which he just shot. I, I, like unless that thing was going at like a thousand miles per hour, we already know what he just shot through is not very strong because he just shot through it with a grappling hook. It's like paper mache. So that part I was like, mm. <laughs> but and, and, and the we, fact it like slides back into its exact location also <laughs> insane. We and we get we get uh, we get Two Face doing his coin routine with the scarred coin, which have, might as well not even have been in this movie because they were just like he flips a coin right when he wants to do stuff, and they're like yeah, and it was like yeah, good side he does some he does good bad side, and they're like no 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 we'll just have him flip a coin, it won't really matter what happens because later yeah. in the movie he literally just keeps flipping the coin till he gets the answer he wants. It's like that's not how it works. That's not how compulsion works. Also, uh, I typed in, by the way, um, Batman Forever into Reddit, and that was, like, the top, like, 600 hits. Like, oh, my God, like, Two-Face just keeps flipping his coin. I'm so pissed off. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fellow nerds of Reddit, unite. Um, we get this also this weird speech from him. I, I don't quite remember the whole speech, but he keeps – he's, like – Grabbing this night, this, this night shift bank guard, and he's screaming. He ends his speech about like screaming how like the world's gone. It's almost like a Joker Nolan speech for a moment. He see he he finishes his speech saying, "And the junkies grow legion, and I must like purge the streets." And I'm like, "What is this character? Holy shit!" That's it though. He never does anything like that again for the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie is him like firing a big Tommy gun and crying. <laughs> Oh. Eating like eating like steak from Drew Barrymore. It's really weird. Um, but we also have this play. The whole bank scene taking place in downtown Chinatown, which, as they pan over the crowd, has no Chinese people. <laughs> yeah, Chinatown's just the name of a district, Ben. It's, they're not called that because Chinese have people you live there. Wait, Chinatown? Yes, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> it's all Chinese people trying to sell you really shitty stuff. Oh my god! We also get uh, and oddly have m- and meat non refrigerated. It always creeps me out. <laughs> we also get reintroduced to to the uh, the pre uh, the pre Gordon of what we know of in the Nolan movies to be because the Gordon of the Nolan movies and most of the modern Batman franchise is a very active character. He himself is a badass. A lot of people like him. They find him very endearing. This Gordon. <laughs> Is this Gordon just, is just the police chief from the Batman 66, just fatter. This is just like Walter Matthau, like, after he just ate some Chinese. Like, he's just slow. Fun fact. Oh, yeah. Slightly divert again from sure. this movie, but not that much. Uh, a lot of the, like, side characters come back into play in Batman and Robin that yes. Gordon comes back. Sure. Um, I think it's this Alfred. Gordon and Alfred are the same for all four of these movies. They're the only actors who appear in all four movies. Robin is the same Robin, like it's Chris Chris O'Donnell. Um, One of the reasons that they decided to make uh, Alicia Silverstone not Barbara Gordon and just Barbara what the fuck ever was because they didn't think that she looked like she would be that guy's daughter. I would agree. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. That that guy's like 190. It's like a... 60-year-old dude who's, like, real rotund, like, you can suck hot daughter, like... <laughs> yeah, what's, what's weird is, their solution is, they're like, well, he's, uh, he's Alf, or she's Alfred's niece, so it's like, so Alfred's brother has to be, like, 40 years younger than him for that to make sense, because Alfred's a 75-year-old man. 
Um, at this point, we're we're sort of beginning the arc of one of our two villains. Now, Pogues and I have frequently complained about doubling down on villains in your action, your comic book movies. It tends to... But they love it in Batman. Yeah, they love it, and it tends to really stretch the story to try and fit in what is essentially two origin stories. For this movie, they solve that by just not doing Two-Face. Two-Face is... Oh, no, he, he has an origin story. In the, in the, like, a 30-second flashback where they're like, Harvey Two-Face, which is what they keep calling him, which I'm like, that's, why do they keep calling him Harvey Two-Face instead of just Two-Face? But they're like, was, had acid thrown in his face. He was a lawyer. And you're like, oh, thanks for that concise wrap-up of his backstory. We'll also note that this was not the original, uh, oh, what's his, uh, not, uh, uh, oh, fuck, his non-superhero name, his non-supervillain Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. This is the non-Harvey, this is How not. I know that. This is you not the. This is not awesome and Ben sucks. This is not the Harvey Dent from the earlier films. No, that is a a, a markedly different actor. Because it is yeah, it's Billy D. Williams. So it went from a black man to an old white guy. They're gonna do Marlon Wayans as Robin too, and that didn't happen. They sure were. Uh, they actually had a now, like I said, we always try to avoid these, oh, so-and-so was slated to play this character. That just means that somebody asked them at some point to, to play it, and they said yes or no or ignored it or whatever. But in this case of this movie, Robin Williams was originally definitely going to play Two-Face in this movie. Like, he was written into numerous scripts. Billy D. Williams was going to play Two-Face. No. And then Robin Williams was going to play the Riddler. Oh, oh, you're right. I had that all wrong. Yes, Billy D. Williams was going to play Two-Face, and, 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 and the Riddler was going to be played by... Um, yeah, Robin Williams. Uh, but but that was those were both super serious castings. I mean, like costumes were made up, the script was written to 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 to, to play to those two characters. Like that was those were serious castings. But didn't they when they went to do? I thought when they went to ask Robin Williams, he said he would never be in a Batman movie because they had used him to get Jack Nicholson to agree to be in the first one. Yeah, I have heard that rumor. Yeah, I don't know how true that is. And I, I thought that was like, they were like, well, we're going to make you the Riddler. And then when they went to him, he was like, are you fucking, I'm not going to be in your stupid movie. You guys are assholes. You you basically tricked me into thinking I had a role just to make Jack Nicholson say yes. I'm not going to be in your fucking shit film. Plus, he probably read the script. This is, of course, all a terrible shame because if anything could have at least helped this movie a little bit, it was certainly getting Jim Carrey the fuck out of this role. Because... As well, you know, I am traditionally the positive voice here on Not Another Origin Story. But if I could go ahead and complain and be furious, fucking Jim Carrey is the most no whack-ass, whack-ass Walgreens version of Willy Wonka I have ever goddamn Can seen. we talk for a second? He was he just is... playing the mask guy again. <laughs> Did not feel like he was playing the mask guy, but he was like, I also want to be David Bowie. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. he looks like he's trying to do a very offensive imitation of David Bowie. He's got heavy makeup on. And you can see the outline of his penis in half of his costumes. Um, it is aggressively he, uncomfortable. <laughs> he's one like, character who could have used a codpiece. I, <laughs> I, like many, don't. I have many fond memories of movies with Jim Carrey. I still enjoy those movies. Whether or not I feel about Jim Carrey now is irrelevant. I just, I, at this point in time, I am solidly into Jim Carrey. I, I cannot handle, cannot handle the film, the, the Jim Carrey film version of the Riddler. I mean, he is just, he's ad-libbing every line. Uh, not, he's doing like cartoon, he gets like these cartoon 
sound effects added on top of every action he has in this movie. His, his he's got seven costume changes. It's it's a fucking nightmare, man. And yeah, he's doing this. He, he, he's, he's doing the, a Mad Hatter role is really what I feel he's doing. I mean, does anyone feel me on this? I feel yeah, like he's, he's, just, he's just all over the place. I don't know what the fuck he's doing half the time he's doing it. But that's supposed to be eccentric. I mean, I, No, I he's not. In the comics, he is not eccentric at all. Eccentric Riddler <laughs> only exists in Batman 66, where he's like zany. That's fair, but I mean, you, you put a little panache on him for the movie, but I mean, he took him into this bizarre... Like I said, Willy Wonka territory where he is. <laughs> now, supposedly, people say that, as as we've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, him and Tommy Lee Jones did not get along. No. And supposedly, he purposely overacted and tried to, like, overdo everything Tommy Lee Jones did in every scene to, like, sort of be like, well, if you think I was a buffoon before, wait till you see me now, because I'm going to go fucking uh, to 11. Well, and that's, so supposedly that's why he's so insane in this movie. That's the dumbest thing ever because Tommy Lee Jones is a special precious jewel of humanity. And Jim Carrey's a dum-dum. Yeah, I'm not saying I agree with it because I'm going to tell you right now. It does not work. No, <laughs> but that is supposedly a rumor as to why he's so far, even by Jim Carrey standards. And usually when I complain about something in a movie, I feel like in my head I have a caveat where I'm like, well, I could see how someone, you know, or I've heard that somebody might like this, you know, this 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 thing that I'm complaining about. Uh, I don't know anyone who necessarily, like, came out or, or to this day is like, fucking Jim Carrey, my man. <laughs> I don't really think... That it, it won over a lot of people. I'm sure it won over some, and if you're out there, please chime in so we can... It actually made me not like Jim Carrey for a while. <laughs> but uh, uh, getting back into the actual film, we're shown uh, uh, the Riddler in the form of Edward Nigma. Yeah, uh, Enigma. Now, did you know this real quick? I'm just curious. Do you know who the, his boss is in the movie? I recognize the actor, but no, go ahead. It's Ed Bagley Jr., Oh, right, right. Oh, oh, shit. I, yes. I could not. I watched this movie with my brother, and he was like, is that Ed Bakley Jr.? I was like, no, he's not going to be, like, some big character in the background of this film. Not like Ed Bakley Jr.'s, you know, like, Daniel Day-Lewis or something. But <laughs> I, I looked it up, and I was like, what the fuck? It was just so weird. Like, there's tons of people in this movie that I'm like, why did they agree to be in this? Like you said, Drew Barrymore's in it. It's just, like, weird. I did not know that there was just these random celebrities but Jim Carrey's introduction is Edward coming Nicole. off of Never Been Kissed and Needed a Win. Well, he did not get it. <laughs> or she did not get it, I should say. It's not good. Uh, when they Look introduce it. Edward Nigma, it is it's a curious situation. So, so in case you've it's been some time since you've you've seen this movie, uh, uh, then the, the, what's happening is Edward Nigma is a scientist of some kind in the uh, in Wayne Enterprises, um, where, where their science division appears to be in like a, the top of an old cathedral. Yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's about eight scientists it seems, all of whom seem like they're having the worst day every day because they have to work next to this guy. Who also they're working at like cubicles, like yeah. they're doing, but it's like they're supposed to be doing like science. Like one of them has a chemistry set. It's you can't just set those up wherever you feel like. It's insane. Um, no more insane because than... Because it's not like Edward Nigma is done at like a four to begin with and then becomes like a nine. 
and then eventually a 10 over the course of some kind of arc where he goes mad. Uh, Jim Carrey comes in fucking hot. <laughs> Uh, he comes in. At, he comes in at an eight and ends at about a nine thousand. <laughs> because he is, he is falling over himself. He is grabbing uh, uh, Bruce Wayne in this scene. He is like trying to attach things to people's heads. He's talking about reading minds. I mean, he is and, just. And the design of the oof. mind reading machine is just a blender. It's on a, a hat. It is a blender hat. No question about it. Uh, it from from a films like these films had such great design until this one. <laughs> uh, but this also leads to one of my favorite scenes, which is where Bruce Wayne sees the bat signal outside of this, you know, science lab cathedral window that they all, you know, all science labs have, uh, and runs back to his desk, which appears to be in the next room. He uh-huh. then, he then sits in his chair and <laughs> activates a tube that sends him back to Wayne Manor. In record now, time, so and and, and, <laughs> and when he gets there, he gets in his suit. Yeah, yeah. But when he gets in the chair to the, activate the password, the, the password to get his chair to fire him across the city is the word chair. Yeah, it was insane. I put in my notes. I was like, so if I go into his office and I sit in his chair and I'm like, damn, this is a nice chair. I just get jetted all the way to Wayne like, or if you come in and you like, and he's in his chair, and and you're like, hey, can I sit here? He's like, yeah, just grab that chair. Ah! <laughs> but but but, do you think that his chair has a biometric buns reader? Well, I'm saying oh, if they if, can only tell them sweet sweet buns, that's his sweet buns or not. I, I'm definitely convinced that there is a that there is a, a biometric bun reader, uh, which is that a the shirt? bat bun uh, reader? Yeah, it, I'm going uh, with Sarah. I think you've solved it. The movie makes sense. I love it now. Can, can you make a biometric buns reader shirt? Let's let's roll. <laughs> I think I will. Let's roll with this biometric buns reader. Concept. Even if that were the case, it would still mean that if Bruce Wayne sat in his chair and then like called out to like, "Hey Margaret, can you come in here? My my chair's a little." Ah! <laughs> or if he like says like hair, kind of he, like it muffled. He just needs to know what the trigger words are. He needs to know like, oh, I need to say seat, my seat. Yeah. What do you guys just like chairman? Like, is he in trouble there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's compound words. Fine. What if he says we need more Charmin in the bathroom? Is that close enough? <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. I sure do love 80s hair metal. Oh, no! <laughs> I should have talked to it more. Let it recognize my voice. Hey, who's um, uh, who's that Who's that woman that's always singing with, uh, with Sonny? Oh, you mean Cher? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could probably do this for another 20 minutes. <laughs> So, so uh, there's a lot of really questionable gadgetry and some really poor, like, Batcave work. Like, we discovered that the Batcave entrance later on is just, like, in the closet. Like, come on. Which opens if you hit the door kind of hard. <laughs> I, the guy basically, like, runs in and slides into the door and it just opens. I'm like, what the? Put a lock on it, fuckers. Um, but, but at this point, we're also, like, we're also about... Just getting about shin deep with another important character, a manufactured love interest for this movie, Dr. Chase Meridian, played by Nicole Kidman. Which uh, I hope that was a comic book character, because if somebody made up the name Chase Meridian for a it movie, is they should lose their job. Not. It, it, oh, was definitely God a, damn it. it was definitely someone who wrote Chase because she chases Batman. And then she's like, this movie's all about, like, duality and, like, two things, right? Well, let's uh, let's do some little thesaurus work for things with, like, a division between them. Oh, Meridian. Okay. Let's go with that. 
Um, Doctress Brittany is made up for this movie entirely. Uh, she is just a psychiatrist. Uh, she she doesn't fit. What bugs me about her is not that she's just the love interest, which is, eh, but Batman has a lot of love interests in his storyline. But the problem is that I have is that the love interests in the Batman DC universe tend to have some other component to their character. Like they're the son of like an evil villain that creates some sort of conflict with him being in love with her. They're a, another super hero slash anti-hero character. Like they're all, or they're a reporter, you know, with like investigator, they're, they're involved in like, I, I don't know, they have some dimension. She is just a foil for Batman's duality problem for this movie, which is a pain in the ass. Now I do feel that maybe there was like, a reason for her character in some of the like cut scenes and things. And I know that there's like a whole thing where like fanboys are like jizzing themselves over the fact that you can like put all the un- like cut out scenes back in. And it's a way better movie. And yeah. 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 There's some cut of this movie called it the red book cut. Mm-hmm. I have not seen it. Um, um so does maybe- it explain why that red book's supposed to matter? <laughs> it might. So maybe she was like somehow tied to Two Face and like him being in Arkham Asylum and something yeah. along the lines of like the Riddler and how he's like a crazy psychopath and but or, or in the movie itself like that was actually the release like makes no fucking sense. No, it it absolutely doesn't. I mean, you're right. If she was if she was you know interviewing uh or not, that's not the term but she was you know uh doing analysis on on two-face or something like that if she had some grander tie to this plot even that would have been enough for me but she is adrift in this movie she has she's barely there she shows up even even narratively she shows up for no reason she just like pops into a scene where batman's trying to save lives and she's like hi i'm kind of want to fuck you pretty bad and he's like all right <laughs> oh it is aggressive in the first scene like short of her just grabbing his cod piece yeah it's like she is clear that she's like i will fuck you right in front of commissioner gordon right now i don't care it is like almost like he was like i don't like this this is uncomfortable established even further by this scene is that the bat signal i mentioned earlier is actually dr chase meridian activating the bat signal illicitly in her navy in her lingerie on a dingy gotham rooftop the, po- the top of the police station yeah, yeah you know Batman, I know you meet a lot of weird people in your line of work, but don't trust the lady in lingerie on the roof of the police station. What's also weird is she shows up. He shows up. (laughs) Well, when he shows up at Meter, like you said, he had just been at Wayne Enterprises seeing the scientist. It is like 1030 at night because when Commissioner Gordon runs up, he's in his bath like in his pajama jams. So it's like, why would those scientists work until like 12 a.m. at Wayne Manor or at Gotham, whatever the fuck, Wayne Enterprise? It's just crazy. Um, it's around this time that they start to try and coalesce this. And I'm skipping over lots of dead air in this movie to get to this point. But um, they start trying to coalesce this romance into something of value when we find ourselves at what I think is the Tim Burton circus because it's fucking wacky. Did you? This circus is like taking place in some dome downtown. A. Did you? It's a high. Oh, go ahead. The, the hippodrome. Yeah, it's a high class event. Like high rollers are there to see what appears to be a pretty run of the mill circus. Like this isn't like Cirque du Soleil, 
Or did if, you notice that building appears to be the building that Dr. Octopus builds his machine in in Spider-Man 2? It's on the dock. It's like in the river. It's definitely that building. I was like, when they showed it, I was like, what the fuck? Did I start watching a different movie? And well, I was like, that must be like a famous landmark in New York that I just don't know about. And not only is every wealthy person in the in Gotham City all here in 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 this this circus, it's apparently being live streamed on Gotham News Network. <laughs> Yeah, which, which they, they, they introduce a character in this scene. I think this is where she's introduced, which is a character that is just baffling. A news reporter by the name of Gossip Gertie, who does appear again in Batman and Robin, but apparently is the only like in, like reporter in the entire city. She's at every event. Yeah. She's re, she's talking to Bruce Wayne about his stockport, like how business is going. She wants to know who he's dating. It's like, what is this fucking woman's job at the newspaper? She, she's at the circus. She's gossiping. I, I think she's it is, like Bruce Wayne. Like there's like a there's a page just for Bruce Wayne in in the in the yeah. She's she's just the reporter assigned to Bruce Wayne. But then what's crazy is make sure I had my own page. <laughs> This is definitely also the woman from the Harry Potter movies. It's also a reporter. <gasps> it's definitely the same character, 100%. And outfit, well, demeanor. <laughs> did you notice, too, that when they're at the circus, Chase Meridian and Bruce Wayne are sitting in between Gossip Gertie and Commissioner Gordon. And Commissioner Gordon's reaction to the circus makes it look like he has suffered brain trauma. He is, like, so delighted as a grown man that you're... It's like... In, go back and watch that scene. He's, like, he's like a little kid. He's, like, clapping. He has this dumbfounded look. And Pope? then they cut to what's going on, and it's literally nothing. Pokes, it's fucking magical. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you did you down Commissioner Gordon. Did you, you notice it? No, I didn't. Um, it is. You should watch it. It's insane. I could not stop laughing at his reactions. I'll try to find a gift because there's another gift that I have to capture, which I said I said I was going to when we watched this, which was later on in the movie when Batman has one like final scene with uh, Chase Meridian. He takes a step away, and the camera is like really close on like shoulder up on Batman's face, and he's got the stern Batman, and then he breaks into this big. Ear to oh, ear, oh grin, smile. Bat thumb, bat thumb. And he looks kind of like the, the bat thumb from like the thumb version of this movie. <laughs> we should do the thumb version of this movie. Okay, but I, we are talking about too many things that are not Chris O'Fucking Donald. Can we know before we talk about him? Can we talk more about Chase Meridian and how Nicole Kidman was probably being groomed by Val Kilmer to become uh, Tom whatever Space's bride? Is Kilmer a Scientologist? Do we know? I don't know, but he was in Top Gun with him. <laughs> that seals it. <laughs> Once a wingman, always a wingman. We all know that Top Gun is the gateway to Scientology. Um, uh, and- yeah, it did a better job than Battlefield Earth. <laughs> She's She looks dead in the face in every she, single shot. She yeah. looks like she has been given downers all or her, like some sort of sedative. All of her things have been cleared, though. <laughs> her feet level is good. Mm-hmm. She's doing real good. Um, her what her- level? Or Thetans Th- level. Thetans. Just look oh, up. Oh, Thetans. Okay, I just what you said. Anyway. It's a Scientology joke. I get it. Now. I really want to talk about Pogues. I want to talk to you about a little uh, a little book. It's called Dianetics, and I think it'll really change your life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, no. What are those e-meters for? Uh, this was Pogues. I, ha- I hate to admit it. This has just been a long con to get you <laughs> in- inducted into Scientology. 
This is a very long con. We've known each other for a very long time at this point. I'm not good at my job. Uh, it's like been a decade. You really <laughs> slow built to this. Um, Chris O'Donnell is here, uh, an actor from the 90s that you probably entirely forgot about. Unless you saw him Much on like Hollywood. <laughs> what I assume an episode of NCIS or something. Yeah, yeah NCIS New Orleans or Los Angeles, <laughs> one of them. He can't even be on the original. He has to be on the spinoff. NCIS Tulsa? Yeah, I think it was yeah. that one. Um, but, but, but he was – I don't remember him being hot right now. If I say right now is 1995. I mean, was he, like, big? Like, how did he – I think this was, like, their attempt to make I him big. I don't remember him besides Batman. Was this, like, a calculation calculated shot trying to get him to be, like, a, a, a heartthrob? Because he looks 40 in this movie. He was oh, yeah. He was in the sense of a woman. Oh, there we go. <laughs> what is crazy is like he like you you're like he's Dick Grayson and he comes to stay with Batman. You're like this is a like a grown adult male. This man is like in his mid to late twenties. Why does he have to come live with someone? He's a full adult in this movie. I, yeah, I don't know what he's, 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 he's easily as old as Bruce Wayne. He has paid taxes. He's had he has had his prostate checked by this point. Yeah, his insurance has gone up already from being out of he, his, like, 20s. He can rent a car without an extra charge. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need his parents' signature. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, he and, – and and then the movie could have attempted to show us that he's younger, you know, because they'll put, like, 30-year-olds in high school movies. But they'll show up dressed like a high schooler, talking like a high schooler. But he has got – he's got, like, a leather jacket. He's driving a motorcycle. I mean, he doesn't really – they don't really apply anything to him to make him seem young. The only thing that we get from him to know that he's supposed to be a high school student is that he shows up on his fucking Harley yeah. acting like the Fonz and is like, hey, you know, just pretend like I'm living here and they'll keep the, like, whatever off my back. And that's what's weird. He's like, they were going to otherwise make me go somewhere. It's like, you are an adult. They cannot make you go anywhere. <laughs> you are not a child. You will not be put in, you know, like, foster care. I mean, you must own property at this point. Yeah. Also, guys, we forgot what made him real popular. He was in Three Musketeers. Oh, that's... Um, he had that sweet earring too. Yeah, he did. That earring was upsetting. But we meet, I... we meet, we meet him here as part of the Flying Graysons. Is that right? Yes. Or... Which, did you feel like when they were doing the Flying Graysons and they showed his dad, you were like, "Ooh, that guy is too old to be doing trapeze work." That is definitely. This is irresponsible by everyone there involved. Is no one over sixty in Cirque du Soleil, and that's probably for a reason. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, you're really taking a chance. You back out and then you die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in agonizing pain as you fall to your as death. As you drop your family. Um, but we're at this circus, which again, by the way, has had no acts that I've seen besides this, right? Like, was there like an act yeah. before this? It no. seems like. No. It seems like everyone got there. There was like a ringmaster who was putting half his heart into it. Clowns. There were some clowns. Yeah, like the guys playing the drums. Like I was just like, I don't think this is the kind of circus they all think it's going to be. Like it's going to be dudes coming out with just like their genitals exposed. And I'm like, oh. It's like a bacchanalia. Um, there's yeah. Like orgy. It's gonna be- <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Like you're. I was waiting for like them to bring up a goat and kill it. <laughs> uh, Would have helped. Uh, or just. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Instead, try. Instead, Two Face shows up, and he shows up in every scene. Basically, anywhere with there's this is the third time in this. This is the this is the second of three times in which a bunch of rich, rich people got together and Two Face shows up. Hire a guard, like anybody. 
for, if you're in Gotham City and you're going to throw a gala, friends. hire a couple of guys. Like, just fucking please. Like, have someone waiting at the bottom of the elevator. I, I do anything. Just have a Netflix <laughs> and chill night. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Or just don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, but, but Chris O'Donnell's here. Also, it Two feels like he'd be up. pretty Aussie like, to see going anywhere since half of his face is bright purple. Yeah, yeah, he seems to sneak into every place of and all he's time. Tr- but he's like dressed like Liberace. Which just like keeps like rotating. <laughs> yeah, he's just spinning in a slow circle every time he passes somebody. It's really tactical about it. Uh, Two Face's big plan yet again is to just rob everyone uh, of their money, which I think is trying to fund this sort of like brain blender project. That has that happened? Name? That they agreed to be together yet? Because I don't think it has. I don't remember the where they agreed to be partners because I stopped paying attention most. But we see this really bo- We see this bomb sequence, which mm-hmm. uh, the Flying Graysons get involved in an attempt yeah. to stop the bomb from going off. Uh, which good on them. Yeah, good on yeah. Them. Real, real American heroes. Honestly, like again, compartmentalizing this movie, I think this sequence in the circus is actually pretty good i like the action i like the threat i like watching all the graysons like decide to just become like on the fly vigilantes and like save the day and i like the that it it puts them as heroes just before their demise because in the actual original robin story they just owe money to the mob or the mob's trying to like extort them and they just like yeah, they're trying to extort the circus and they won't pay, so they kill his. So they, just let, they, they let them die. Yeah. They go to do like a flip and they all die. That's uh, cool. <laughs> it's not as it's not as grandstanding as like them carrying a bomb through the ceiling, which I think is a pretty again to, again to compartmentalize this into single scenes. This scene I think is pretty neat, and that's the thing about this movie is some of these individual scenes are really bright, vivid, shot kind of well, have some decent action. I think there's a lot of like salvageable stuff in here, but fuck. There is not. But <laughs> it is two hours long, which we have not established yet. It is a long, strung together mess. And it feels it feels every bit of two plus another four hours. It is very long. This, this scene was one of my two favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? My other favorite scene was when we get to meet Two Faces, Two Sweet Ladies. Um, yes. Yes. Sugar and spice, I imagine. I don't, yeah, I originally meant to be name. leather and lace, yeah. uh, but was decided to be changed because that would be too sexual. Yet somehow Jim Carrey's dick got, got a pass. <laughs> and like everything they say is sexual. Everything they say is a sexual innuendo. So I don't know how they were like, nobody will notice if we just change their names. It's uh, Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazur as uh, the two characters. It's very odd. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it has one of my... <laughs> One of my really amusing scenes, which is when they arrive at his headquarters, which he's drawn a line down at like it's a it's like a 70s sitcom. Uh, yeah. And he's and half of it is like, I guess it's supposed to be like good and evil, I guess, is the vibe. But there's yeah. a lot of elements to that, because on the good side, he's eating like a cod dinner because because Drew Barrymore is like, oh, I made you this like milkshake and a cod dinner and like it's like this like alaskan cod glazed in this like cream sauce and she's like i've got you blackened pig's heart and i'm like oh <laughs> yeah the, the stuff that, i think the, it's mostly it's like on one side you have your wife and on the other side you have your financial dominatrix <laughs> yeah yeah that, the, old, that, that old dichotomy <laughs> the one thing the lady says is and she says and pure grain alcohol 
Yeah. If you drink pure grain alcohol, it will kill you. You cannot like it's that that's insane. You would die if you drank it, and it would not be a good experience while you were dying. And it feels more like he basically just has a sane and totally insane side. I don't think it's necessarily good and evil because yeah, the meal is blackened blackened boar's heart. Like, 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 pink. And, and like, blood pudding. It's just, like, stuff you're like, you would not eat that. That sounds disgusting. Even if you're evil, you would be like, that's gross, man. Just go. Can I just have a nice steak with Yeah, just say steak. Just, like, steak and bacon. Like, things that are, like, greasy. Like, that's that that fits in the theme. Like, very greasy and bad for your heart. Like, that's, just go with that. It doesn't have to be in edible charred pig organs. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, if you eat this, you will be throwing up all night. Because that's how evil you are. Later on in a far later scene, uh, uh, Two-Face drinks two glasses of wine simultaneously. One is blue and Damn one it. is red. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is there an evil wine? Like, is that what we're supposed to take from that scene? But yeah, it was blue. That's not – there is no blue wine. <laughs> well, no, the blue wine was the good wine. No, but no. It's oh. No, no, I think what it is is that one of them was a nice Cabernet, and the other the other was just, like, windshield wiper fluid. Yeah. Like, crazy lady. <laughs> no, because... God damn it, what do you keep giving the, me? the blue wine was on the good side of his face. <laughs> oh, good point. Wow. Well, he was cleaning I think it was, pipe. like, that really shitty, like, uh, Tiffany's blue champagne that I saw at Target and bought that one time. Do you think uh, Drew Barrymore is uh, happy about this role in, in hindsight? I don't know well, that... Well, judging by some of the films she was in afterwards, sure. Um, I mean, was Home Fries before or after this? <laughs> I don't even know what that is, so I cannot answer that question. So, a couple of a couple of quick moments here. Um, how about some... Uh, how about some uh, laundry karate? That... I, I don't even know how to describe that scene. <laughs> Briefly, listen to you, listener, if you've not seen this movie in some time. At one point, uh, in, a, in a desperate attempt to make Chris O'Donnell seem cool and good at fighting, uh, they show him doing his laundry, which is apparently one shirt and one pair of pants. Uh, uh, not kind of the one he's wearing. makes it <laughs> just basically like four pieces of clothing. Uh, he seems to take his clothes out of the wash. He then does karate moves with them, getting water everywhere. And then throws them on a line right in front of a regular dryer. Yeah, and here's something. Here's just a tip for anybody who saw this movie and was like, I bet you that is a great way to dry clothes. It is never a good idea to take a wet shirt and, like, whip it at something because it just stretches out because it's soaking wet. All you'll do, like, his clothes are ruined after that. They would be, like, all stretched out. They would be wrinkled as fuck. And there is, like, the Alfred is like, you can put them in the, the dryer. But I think it was supposed to be like, ooh, he's got kung fu skills. Because he knows how to use a shirt <laughs> as a nunchuck. So we have far too much to cover here, so I want to hit some highlights. Uh, Pogues, what do you feel about the rave Indians? <laughs> oh my god, dude. That scene was... I don't even I don't even know how to describe so that. So riding the high of everything being neon, uh, our man... Uh, uh, our man puts in uh, what is appears to be a face-painted gang that quickly goes into an alley that has nothing but black lights in it. Uh, yeah. What's insane, too, is at the point in this film, his parents have been dead for like a day and a half. He finds out that Batman is Bruce Wayne, and he steals the Batmobile, and he stops to pick up hookers. Yep. That's and what's weird right is he goes. Those, those hookers come up to the Batmobile, which led me to believe 
Batman has been fucking some of those hookers because they would know. It is like, a, you know, you don't just walk up to a car like that if you don't think there's a chance. It is a casual approach, I will admit. And then he gets into this fight where there's like a hundred of these like rave guys that have vague Native American outfits on. Uh, and they get into an okay fight that lasts about one second long. And then we move on. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's a yeah, I, I refer to it as the Day of the Dead. The only person who was not a uh, stunt double who drove the car was Chris O'Donnell. And he immediately drove it into a sidewalk. Uh, (laughs) For for this scene. Uh, I don't doubt it. (laughs) I can see it right here in my head. And then he got out and did karate moves on the sidewalk while they were trying to fix it. Yeah. Just off my shirt. When he goes in there... And it's like an entire gang. They look like they're painted for like the Day of the Dead in Mexico, but it's all like you said, blacklight. And there's no explanation. It's just a group of guys who kidnap one lone girl and they're gonna apparently rape her, which is gross. I mean, it's just like very upsetting when you really think about it. Well, it's just like why she's in that area of town, that girl. I have no idea because <laughs> it appears to be just a place you go to get heroin and blowjobs. And, and, and they tried in true superhero fashion. A woman is about to be apparently sexually assaulted and some, or, or, or potentially raped. And uh, the follow-up scene, she's rescued and then immediately wants to bang the hero. That's okay. yeah. She's like, she says something about like, don't you ever kiss the. <laughs> Like, kiss the girl? I'm like, girl, you were just about to be raped. You get the fuck out of here. You did not stop running till you were in another state and you've rethought your life. Don't come into glowing alleys, idiot. Go! <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's like, as soon as someone rescues you, you're gone. You're just a cloud of smoke, like in a cartoon. Um, so, real, real quick here, because we don't have time for to just talk about all the individual sequences. Let's talk about, about Jim Carrey's costume changes. We begin as Edward Nigma, a man in a lab coat with elaborate rolling Ron Weasley red hair, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We move into uh, a shorter hair version, and then we move into a pink hair vanilla ice updo. So when he <laughs> when he was at the gala or yeah. whatever, what his hair is normal you, again? Yeah, it's nor. It was pink. No, no, no. It, yeah, it was red. He was a redhead to yep. begin with to start. I imagine that was supposed to be his natural hair. That's color. like a cut. Like Then he's trying to pretend to be Bruce Wayne. Yep. And it's like a nice finished brown. Yeah, and he looks very nice there. Yeah, he does. I mean, come on, Jim Carrey. <laughs> that's a nice look. Um, but still strange. But I understand it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's fucking, I don't know. And then his know. outfit... I mean, he begins, his first Riddler costume is just like a three-piece suit that's green and has question marks, which is definitely that guy <laughs> from yeah. commercials. You want to learn how to get a grant from the government? <laughs> he then moves on to uh, a green leotard, which is the longer-running uh, 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 outfit, which is like of low quality and too green. Like, you know, it could be like a like a forest green or something that looks a little natural, but it's like a bright, flaming neon green. It looked like Charlie in Always Sunny if he just, like, shirt yeah, the green. like, yeah. question marks all it's over it. It's definitely a green bad outfit. And he ends the movie with his with a white, bedazzled outfit. And that is where we get our Bowie. And, yeah, a real Bowie outfit. And his hair is super Bowie. His hair looks more like he's just met uh, Zool. It's very much, like, uh, upturned. <laughs> yeah, like horns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got this, like, real, like, 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 like upturned outfit and his mask is now like a sort of weird question mark dealy mm-hmm. uh 
All of it is insane. Oh, I forgot about the light up jacket he wears for about four seconds and then it's gone. Uh, so that it's, it's easier for people to see me bikes, obviously. Good joke. Um, were all of those costume changes necessary, Pokes? By the way, Pokes, no. before you go on, <laughs> that was an actual joke from the movie that was not my shitty joke. <laughs> what joke? He wore it so people could see him while he was biking. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, that's what he said. Did he? Re- oh, my God. Night joke. <laughs> Wow, I must have blocked that one out from the film. Biking. Uh, no, the costume changes were not necessary, and I do not know why they got pro- like progressively more insane. And we get a close-up of him at the end, and he is wearing heavy, heavy makeup. Like He is wearing makeup like, like he's in the 17th doll. century. It's like, it's like a cutie doll. Yeah, it's cherub yeah. makeup. He's got really like, like intense white powder, rosy, rosy cheeks, and then this weird, like, too-tall haircut. It is... <laughs> Oof, it is deeply upsetting. <laughs> deeply upsetting. It, like, when they showed him that last scene, I was like, what the fuck is happening? He, like, it was just like, he was like, David Bowie's not far enough. Like, let me just go as insane as possible. Which it, And it does not pay off. It harkens back to what you were talking about earlier, where it would make more sense if his character, like, started out as being, like, this, like, meek little nerd and then sort of, like, ramped it up. Instead of, like, the personality getting ramped up, it feels like they just did the outfits. Yeah, they're trying to, like, match his level with, like, outfits. And, like, guys, that onesie is not doing it. Can we get anything with some glitter on the collar? For fuck's sake. And makeup! (laughs) Makeup, we need you back. And, like, we used up all of the makeup. Literally. (laughs) Get an Undertaker. I want want a real... (laughs) I want a real corpse look on this man while he jazzes around on stage. Who's the guy who used to do the makeup for uh, British judges in the AT and the like the Victorian era? We need him in here. You know the little boy who died in uh, that movie. Uh... Oh my god! Never mind. <laughs> you were going so strong. I was waiting to see where it went. My girl. My girl. This. My girl. I was really excited about this dead boy. <laughs> You died from bees in my girl. Yeah. I want to look just like that, except 20 years older. <laughs> 20 is being. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then we reach this epic that was climax a joke. <laughs> uh, of this film. The arc that's supposed to bring us into just this tremendous uh, scene, which ends up just being a bunch of misty fog sequences. Uh, that is Batman and the the newly adorned Robin in his full. Uh, but we've got costume changes from our main characters too. Because Batman now has, as Post pointed out, a weird, like, platinum version of Batman that doesn't seem to be any different. Yeah. Without any nipples. He sold a bunch of albums. Yeah, no, no nipples. But they say it's it's Sonic, but is it ever, does it ever do anything? Yes, that's what he uses to blow up that thing, is a Sonic oh. bomb. Now, not how Sonics work at all. Like, that's not what I would assume a Sonic bomb would do, which would be, like, actually explode. I would assume it would just make a high-pitched noise. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but my favorite part happens here is they both have new costumes, and in the background there's just a bunch of people going, oh, fucking merchandise. Um, because yeah. they get You can see the erection of the <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it kind of comes into like a shadow on the lights. So you can just, oh, that's like a, that's a, that's a pronounced. <laughs> well, they're very excited about this extra costume. <laughs> because, because Batman's like, what about the boat or the plane? And you're like, oh, how about both? Let's get these out of fucking. Yeah. Are you, or, what about are our you snowmobile? skipping my favorite part? Uh, well, I'll identify it because the next scene is probably one of my favorites because it shows Robin driving a boat at the island mm-hmm. in a straight line. Go back. What did I miss? You missed the bun scene. Oh, right. 
went right past oh, a right, second yeah. getting ready scene in which we lock onto those buns and, and we then stay there. And smacks it. <laughs> they they do have a jiggle. smacks it and it jiggles. And... There's also what appears to be some sort of like seam and or opening along the crack. It's uncomfortable. Do you think that <laughs> that was Val Kimmer's actual butt? No, were that is his, just the those his buttons? I don't even think there's a person in it. I think it's just a suit being pulled into frame, and they were like, we don't need the actor. Can we get two hams? Just need two hams. There were some real buns in that suit. That was probably, well, was. That was probably a stunt double buns. We could solve like this. a Kardashian. We could solve this if we had a biometric bun reader. I can tell you that right I know, now. right? <laughs> well, after seeing the suit, he's definitely taken his bun reading. So I, I'm starting to agree with Sarah. I think that chair can read his buns. You think that's what's happening there when that suit's coming on? The movie's saying this, don't worry, only he can wear this suit because these buns. <laughs> yeah, I could not fit in there. My buns are not that tall. No, neither. Maybe maybe the code word is not chair. Maybe it's just like a toot. But There's a yeah. metric fart reader, too. We see them both get in these vehicles. And personally, I'm excited because in the first Batman movie, we had actually a pretty good sequence with the Batwing. Uh, firing at the Joker, and what I was hoping to see was like an action sequence with the bat plane and the bat boat, and then like fighting something. Well, you when you buy action, you mean you just want to see them both explode after doing nothing? Yeah, because what happens is the boat drives in a straight goddamn line. Uh, it jukes every now and then. And then it explodes, and he is thrown into the water <laughs> via an injection seat, and the boat is gone. And then, and then Batman is shot down. And it turns out that his bat plane is also a boat. So really, he had two boats. Just one of them was... Had wings. <laughs> can, I, can I point out something that really pissed me off in the moment? Yes. When they were doing that whole sequence where they're like Robin was driving the bat boat. Yep. And uh, Two-Face and Riddler were playing like, Battleship. He kept saying that it was a hit. When obviously... He had they missed. were not hitting... Yeah, battleship. Your boats don't move around. Uh, like you're not allowed to like pick your boat up and go vroom and move it around the board. <laughs> I mean, at least not how I play it. But it made no sense. No, it didn't because make any sense. Were, it wasn't real battleship games. It was them talking about hitting the actual like people. Uh, so I assume those were supposed to be like mines that he was hitting. Like that he was just getting too close and they were exploding. I didn't think they were like literally trying to blow them up. That would be the worst way to try to blow up a boat is to like be like, I think I got it now. Um, but this, this this scene made infinite sense in comparison to the next moment, which is where 12 guys in scuba suits and with harpoon guns appear, uh, apparently hanging out amongst the mines. And just <laughs> Oh, yeah, they were just chilling, I guess, and the off chance there was a boat that sunk. They show up, Batman nets them, and then rigs them to a buoy, and Sarah and I were both like, those, well, those guys are dead. Well, they had air tanks. Well, yeah, but they will be dead soon. For the time being, that's the only reason they were floating too, because they had they had they had buoyant air tanks. But now, now they're just gonna fucking drown. <laughs> By the way, if we could actually go back to these movies, we have established in the other ones, Batman kills a lot of fucking people in these movies. Yeah, Batman is not the con- the compunction of uh, I will not kill. Original Batman not in these films. Original Batman blows up like fifty guys in a building. When he is in the the Batwing. He literally flies and is just firing a machine gun down a road. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, probably hits three or four civilians. Apparently, that's a part of the Red Book version of this. Um, he has like a heart-touching scene with a uh, good old Dick Grayson and 
tells him about how he's like killed people before or something and regretted it. And that's how they made up for it. But, you know, not in the real movie, so who the fuck cares? Instead, they just add a lot of murder. Um, Can we go back real quick? Because there is something we skipped, which I wanted to talk about. Uh, They find out, part of this film, because the climax is set up that uh, they've kidnapped Chase Meridian. And the the reason they kidnap her is they find out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And they find out because Batman goes into, Bruce Wayne goes into one of these Riddler-like mind-reading things. And the only thing it picks up is, in his mind, the only thing he thinks about is a bat slowly flying towards him, is what this movie posits. And they're instantly like, well, he's got to be Batman. It's like, well, just because you like bats doesn't mean you're necessarily Batman. But when they go to Batman's house, he's on a date with Chase Meridian. He's getting ready to tell her that he's Batman. And there are kids trick-or-treating at Wayne Manor. Did you realize? Yeah. Wayne Manor is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yep. They said there was a whole part where Robin was trying to leave and he was like, well, well, you know what? Maybe come and uh, gas up your hog in my garage because there are no gas stations within miles. Like, yeah, no yeah he, he sets alone, up like civilization. To, to the parents, <laughs> and it's also a gated house. Yeah. Who buzzed them up to the door? Did the parents just drop them off? It's like, all right, just scale yourself into that mansion and then we'll, uh. Go to Arkham Asylum next, and you can climb into that one, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like like when they're leaving, there's a gigantic gate. I'm like, well, how did they get through the gate? Because the Riddler and Harvey Dent have to sneak in through the open gate. So how did the kids get in? I just small, I could not believe when that happened. Pardon? They're very small. They fit through, like, the gate runs, perhaps? Yeah, I guess yeah. that's it. Yeah, definitely scramble in rich people's property, avoid guard dogs, and knock and on the door. Knock? And hope that there's a guy home. <laughs> and then I didn't understand. Like, their whole thing appears to be they want to kill Batman. And they have a chance to kill him because Harvey Dent almost shoots him in the face after flipping his coin enough times till it gives him the answer he wants. Why didn't they just shoot him then? Yeah, they don't establish, like, a, a Joker thing where the Joker needs the Batman or wants to break the Batman more than he wants to kill the, yeah, kill him. Yeah, and he says something like, we won't know. No, and it's like, he won't no learn what. a lesson. Yeah, but that's, that's not... What, that's what the Riddler says. He won't... Yeah, it's not anything. It was dumb and stupid, and they should have just <laughs> let the coin say, let him live, and... Yeah, and he actually done what the coin told him. Like, like that also... No. Did you notice how, like... Oh, go ahead. No, just, just like seriously, write it down. In, in Batman One, the Joker obviously has this relationship with the Batman, like in all the the movies with the Joker and Batman, that they're this dual dual characters. You know, one obsessed with justice, one obsessed with chaos. You know, they're the you know he's Joker's constantly trying to po- point out that there really is no line, and you know it, it's a whole thing. And they and they do a pretty good job in the first one. In the second one, uh, they set up Cobblepot as having this like he's personally like just driven to madness by Bruce Wayne because they were both people of wealth, but he, his life was destroyed while Bruce soared into glamor and success, you know, and he had flipper hands and he's furious. And Catwoman has this quit bringing up my disabilities. (laughs) Catwoman has this whole dichotomy with her, uh, you know, her, her, her blurring on the line between crime and, and just self self survive. Like everyone's got these pieces that can play against Batman, but what the fuck does Two-Face have in this movie? He's just, like, absolutely out of control. He's just yelling he, and shooting. He appears just to be a kleptomaniac. Yeah. He, like, all he wants to do is steal stuff. He doesn't have a game plan. And it's established at first that Edward Nigma has this thing with Bruce because he refuses to acknowledge his genius. 
But that's then I, that's never touched on again, ever. There definitely no. has to be a lot of shit that was cut out that has to deal with Two Face, like I said earlier. Yeah. And also when um when Robin saves him from falling off of the edge of like the cliff, right? And he's talking to him like right after that, he's speaking in like a normal human voice and is like, "Oh, thank you." Like, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, he's kind of good now." It feels like there's gonna be a moment there. By the way, it's a Two Face. There should be two kinds of personalities coming out of this guy. There are not. Yeah. <laughs> no. And then, well, unless there's back. insane and then more insane, maybe. Yeah. But you're right. That would be a really interesting time for him to like drop the facade for like mm-hmm. a moment. I mean, the voice. Even if like, it's a trick. Yeah. That would be really interesting. Doesn't happen. It seemed like that's what it was because like his voice, like you could tell yeah. from like the modulation and like the way he's acting that like this is a different Two Face than the Two Face we've seen previous to this. But nothing comes of it. Like obviously, there's probably a part cut out. And then, like, all of a sudden, he ends up in, like, a fucking clear plastic tube. I just wanted him to, like, be like, oh, and just, like, burp and start. Like, oh, excuse me. I just had, like, a bunch of charred boar's heart. So I just digest. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know grain alcohol is not good for you? I think I need to see a doctor. I've been sick for days. Um, uh, But the movie ends with... Uh, the- Batman killing two people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was what I thought was insane was... The whole buildup, he keeps telling Dick Grayson, he's like, you know, if you kill him, it's not going to be enough. You're, you, it's not going to end your your quest for revenge, and you're going to end up just like being like them. You're going to keep killing in your mind. You know, it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be able to get revenge. And he's trying to say that's what's wrong with him is he can't ever stop being Batman now. And you're supposed to be like, oh, this is a moment. And then when Two Face is going to fall to his death, Robin saves him, and you're like, oh, he learned the lesson. And then Robin gets kidnapped. And then Batman straight up kills two And Robin's <laughs> so like, wait, what was the motherfucking lesson here? He, you know, Robin turned out to be a good guy. And then Batman was like, no, bitch still got to die. And Robin looks on with joy. To be honest, I don't know that you could say that Batman killed Two-Face. What? Uh, yeah, I guess gravity. What? Well, all he does is throw a bunch of coins at him and Two-Face is like, oh my god. Which, again, we're not really sure why he cares that much, because the coin seems to have no effect over him, really. Yeah. He threw them. He just uses it when it's convenient. Um, I also want to point out, this is the climax of this movie. This is the boss fight of this of this RPG. And all it, all it ends up being is a boat and a plane fly and drive, respectively, uh, uh, or reversibly. Uh, uh, and they both get shot down before they do anything. Then they arrive... They climb into a building, and... The- they make a terrible reference to Batman 66, when he says, holy rusted metal. Holy rusted metal. And the and then the defeat of the villain is Batman just throws a batarang at, like, a chandelier, which is also the machine, I know. But Yeah, and it apparently makes him go yeah, insane. The thing and- where he goes, and the shade. Oh, yeah, those little, like, those little vice. That's supposed to be, I think, his sonic thing. I think that's supposed to be what he's throwing, but it straight up just looks like he throws a batarang. And that's it. There's no, like, there's no depth to that. No, and it's a very boring... You just throw... And, like, even, like, his thing at the end where he's like, I couldn't choose because I'm both Batman and Bruce Wayne, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I mean, you could have just said you couldn't choose because you're Bruce, you're Batman, and Batman couldn't let two people die. Also, Chase Marine <laughs> just died because, what, are you going to bring her back? <laughs> no, she lives. I know, but I'm saying she could die. Like it's oh yeah, it's not like she's a treasured character that you've created here. You can just yeah, it's it's so the ending is just like it, it wraps up so quick that you're just like, why did I watch the rest of this? This is like the weakest climax to a film I've ever seen. Yeah, what? And it's so boring. 
sorry, I didn't mean to inter- interrupt you. Oh, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, I felt this way the entire movie. <laughs> Literally, Bummer. I was watching this and I was like, this movie is really boring. You don't care about anyone. Oh, and, and I'm sorry, this movie ends with the psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum bringing Chase Brigham all the way down to be like, he keeps saying he knows who Batman is. I'm like, why would you? Yeah, I, it is like, it's like this crazy person we have in solitary confinement in a straitjacket says he knows who Batman is. Uh, so clearly, I'm going to listen to him. We think we might have Napoleon in a different cell. That part I did understand. <laughs> she wanted to make sure that he didn't actually remember or know that it was yeah, Bruce. Yeah, she wants to, but what the fuck is this psychiatrist doing just calling up Chase Meridian? Mm-hmm. She's and a psychiatrist. Did you notice, yeah, but did you notice that uh, psychiatrist, his name? What was his name? Dr. Burton, and he has Tim Burton's haircut. It was supposed to be an homage to Tim Burton, Fart who noise. I cannot imagine was pleased. Fart noise. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was like, oh, no, you got please just leave me out of your film. Please, uh, guys. I've had enough of Batman forever. It will forever be in my memory, and I'm upset about it. Oh, there is one thing, one last thing I wanted to say. Could you believe how how shitty those riddles were? Oh, my God. They were might as well have been like, what's black and white and red all over? I mean, they were the most generic, easy-to-answer riddles in the history. I was just like, wow, you guys did not try at all to come up with something interesting or... They were, they were like, inside of, like, a Popsicle, uh, on the Popsicle stick riddles. They were, like, they were, like, Bazooka Joe riddles. <laughs> Those were, like, the riddles that you got in, like, the SAT prep class because no one who's actually going to do okay on the SAT <laughs> takes the SAT prep class. shots fired you dum-dums uh they were terrible riddles also i just saw one last thing in my notes i wanted to mention did you realize at one point in time jim carrey refers to two-face as oh segregated one yeah it's not cool oh bifurcated one which i'm like just yeah put the thesaurus down for fuck's sake well, don't use the one like. Let's face it. I know segregation does not necessarily have to be bad, but if you lived in a, if you're from America, it's kind of gotten a bad connotation. Of course, but equal it's, one. It's no. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, dude. You, you have got to quit ad libbing. You are so racist. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's our take on a very bad movie. Can I end this on two fun facts that I just remembered? Yes. Yes. We're not all the way done yet, so please. Make sure one is sugar and one is spice. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Val Kilmer accepted the role of Batman sight unseen while he was shooting The Ghost in the Darkness, which I have seen. And it is a pretty okay movie, but... I like that movie. It's not great, but it's okay. It's really impressive, man. Um, while he was in an actual Batcave, like, researching the movie... Like someone like walk. I guess like they sent a runner. I'm not sure what the fuck happened there and why he was in a bat cave when he received. What happened the is is they called and they said, "Hey, is Kilmer there?" He goes, "No, he's not here." Oh, we'll leave a message. Uh, is he a ra- Is he nearby? Yeah, he's in a bat cave. Send the runner. Holy shit! <laughs> this is too good of timing. He, he won't say no if we ask him while he's in the cave. Okay, that was your sugar and your spice. Um, my spice is that one of the fun facts that I read like an hour ago when we are like, recording, um, Val Kilmer apparently raises buffalo on his New Mexico farm. Oh, that is some spice. So, he likes them a lot. He likes buffalo. That's the, 
All right, good to know. Uh, this is, I think, the beginning of the end of Val Kilmer's like star, like leading man status. I think he did this movie and thought that he was like hot shit because he was Batman. Then he did uh, Island of Doctor Monroe, and then he sort of just went to being. Oh, I think he did the Saint after this too. But I think it just feels like he was like a leading man for like five years, and then they were just like, nah, we'll put you in the background of films. Oh, do you think we're like a the sugar and spice of co-hosts? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't know which one of us is which though. <laughs> which which one are we, Sarah? You tell us. Well, you're sugar, I'm spice. I don't know what the fuck Ben is. Ben is my co-host spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Wait, I'm sugar. <laughs> my God, how bitter are you? <laughs> no, this podcast dynamic. All right, well, I think that's enough of Batman Forever. This this. So does that mean Ben is a uh, Jim Carrey's, uh, like, visible erection? Uh, well, I am in a leotard, and I do have a visible Don't erection, so... Don't ever say so... that to me again. On that... <laughs> Don't make that a shirt. On that note, this podcast has gone on forever, so let's cut it short. Thank you for listening to another episode of Not Another Origin Story, and thank you very much to my special guest, Sarah Prunkhorst, for being here. Who is she again? My wife. My wife. Damn it. Can you stop telling <laughs> and... people that? Okay. Hey, did you guys ever do the Spider-Man kiss? <laughs> uh, no comment. Okay, so Ben's a continued letdown. Uh, if you have any comments or suggestions or anything from this podcast, leave them at facebook.com slash naospod. We'll read them on the next mini-episode. I think it's clear that me and Sarah would say never watch this film, even under the penalty of, like, a guy puts a gun to your head and it's either that or this. Well, I mean, pick the gun. I would pick this movie over the gun. I'm <laughs> All right. Well, I see. That's why I should be spiced. <laughs> yeah, because I, mean, I just I, I want out. Uh, ben sounds like he would recommend it. Uh, I would. Mm. Yeah. I'm not okay with that. At uh, the Disco Pony on Twitter, or my uh, my special comedy Twitter at the Strange Log. Uh, Sarah, do you want to direct anyone to where they could find you, or do you tell want to tell them all to go to hell? Uh, go to hell, but also. Um... Go to your public library, and if you don't like your library, then go there once and get a library card. Then you can download all kinds of awesome free books using Cloud Library. It's a good pick. And Overdrive, which is another similar uh, ebook thing, just recently came out with a new app called Libby, which is super awesome. All right. It has That's a cute little purple-haired, bleh, purple-haired girl as its little, like, icon. Huh. Fair enough. I, I like that Sarah's plugs are legit like important <laughs> like good good advice versus being like hey if you want to see me draw boobs uh so that's it for this week come back next week for a mini episode and whatever movie's up next folks can you draw a shirt of my face with this continued disappointment around it <laughs>